good and Erev Shabbos, everybody, from Papa G. I'm just going to start my usual weekly Tavar uh, Torah on the Parsha. For those of you who are interested, this is arguably the most important Parsha of the year because it was my bar mitzvah. It was on August 24th, 1963, that I had my uh, bar mitzvah, and this was the Parsha. I was taught by Rabbi Immerman, the blind chazan, and it's a beautiful Parsha. It's one of the seven haftarot of consolation as we move from Tisha B'Av to uh, Rosh Hashanah. And uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic parsha because it deals with many ways that a society ought to regulate itself and how we ought to regulate ourselves uh, as well. Uh, it starts off with Shoftim v'shotrim titen b'kol sharecha. You should put, um, and he's speaking to the people of Israel, when they get to the land, how they run their society is they put judges and policemen at every gate, at the gates of the, of the city, obviously of the towns. Um, that's where the judicial and police system was always based, was at the gates. And um, obviously what we learn from this is that a system of judicial propriety, order, and enforcement of the law is what society is based on. And when we look around and we see the chaos that happens when you don't have a proper judicial enforcement system, you realize just how important this really is for a healthy society. The Kol Sha'arecha, they should have these in all your gates, really means that every city needs to have judges and policemen in that city. And we learn from this the lesson that how judges will judge in Beersheva is not how they should judge in Sipori or Jerusalem, uh, etc. Because you have to take into account as a judge prevailing culture, prevailing expectations, prevailing mores, and so on. And so we see that a principle of justice is dealt with over there also with this kosher arecha with all your gates. The rabbis, however, the Hasidic masters have a whole other view. Not only is uh, this an instruction to the cities and the people of Israel, but it's also an instruction to every one of us. When we say shoftim v'shodrin titem kosher arecha, that singular means you have to have judgment and compliance at all of your gates. And the Hasidic masters tell us that the gates of each of us are our eyes, our ears, and our mouth, and our nose. And as we have to control what are in our gates, what comes in and what goes out. And the way we have to control that is, first of all, by being discerning. That's what judgment is. It is being discerning about what comes in and what goes out. And then once you've come to the right decision, the policemen are the people who enforce. You know, it's one thing to have a commitment to do something in a particular way, but it's another thing to actually follow through. And that's the job of the policeman. So each of us have to have lofty goals, lofty senses of judgment, and then the ability and the willpower to stick to it. Um, the famous words, Tzedek, Tzedek, Tirdof, justice, justice, shalt thou seek, appear in this week's Parsha. And there are many ways to look at Tzedek, Tzedek, Tirdof. Why the repetition of the word Tzedek? And uh, the explanation that I think is the most powerful is that, that we have to pursue righteousness in a righteous manner. In other words, to a Jew, the end never justifies the means. If you're going to pursue justice, you need to be a just person and you have to pursue just, justice in a, in a just manner. But I think uh, there's a, a far deeper view that there are two forms of tzedek, two forms of justice. There's justice based on truth, on emet, and justice, justice based on chesed, loosely translated as loving kindness or rachamim. And these two, the tension between these two, the strict 
uh, application of the law and then the merciful uh, application of the law, taking into account the human circumstances. The tension between those two is the chesed and emet. We'll be saying that soon at Rosh Hashanah when we praise God for the qualities that God exhibits and we, we, and we say, Rav chesed ve'emet. And by the way, given that one holds that these 13 attributes are in increasing elevation of importance or relevance or power, uh, emet comes after chesed. And it could be seen that true emet takes chesed into account. That true justice uh, by the letter of the law is always tempered by, by chesed and that the two of them have to ultimately come together, manifest as emet. We know that God's seal is the word emet, but on the other hand, we do know from the great quote, Olam Chesed Yibane, that the world is built on Chesed. This tension is manifest in the ongoing differences between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel. Beit Shammai was traditionally and overwhelmingly the, ches, the, the tzedek-oriented decisor, whereas Beit Hillel was the, generally the chesed decisor. And so although in this world we go with Beit Hillel, we believe that in the world to come, uh, Beit Shammai's views will be held. So we have to still temper the justice with a great deal of mercy and kindness uh, in this world. It's interesting to note that the word emet itself is the most expansive word imaginable. It starts with the first letter of the alphabet, Aleph. It ends with the last letter of the alphabet, which is Tuf. And in the middle of the Aleph and the Tuf is the middle letter of the alphabet, Mem. And so you have this broad, expansive view of, of Emet, which we know is God's seal. Um, we are given the command that when you conquer a city, and you're at war, you cannot destroy the trees. And so we see the beginning of the eco or ecological movement. The Jews of all people, as far as I know, were the first to realize that destroy, wanton destruction of nature is, a, is an insult and an affront to Hashem. And we know the word tree has such powerful significance uh, in all of our liturgy, including the most famous, which is Eitz Chayim Hi, Lama that the Torah is uh, likened to a tree, Man is likened to a tree in some of the Psalms and so on. Trees are very special things. They're uh, God's gift to us in terms of replenishing oxygen, providing uh, shade, providing food. And we don't, you know, wantonly destroy that out of respect to Hashem and the creation. The Sidra includes the admonishing of us and the instruction to us to be tamim tiyayu. Tamim tiyayu. We have to be tamim. And uh, tamim basically has several meanings, but the essential meaning is pure, straight, simple, as they say in Yiddish, a poshita yid, a straight erlacha yid. We can learn a lot about what this tamim means because there are two people in the Torah who refer to this way, Noach and Yaakov, both ishtam or ishtamim. And um, each of them uh, exhibited their qualities of steadfastness by going through catastrophic, cataclysmic changes in their lives and remaining faithful and true to Hashem and true to their people. Noah, of course, because of the flood, which nothing could imagine could be much more cataclysmic than that. And Yaakov, because his entire life was a topsy-turvy life from being thrown into the pit 
etc. The, the the family dynamics and so on. Um, very uh, very uh, crazy crazy life. Uh, we are told that at times of war, we need to first approach the enemy and try to make peace, which is a very good lesson for everybody who goes out to war. Uh, in and that doesn't mean a material, you know, logistical military battle. It means even discussions, arguments where we disagree, try to make peace. That is the first move always. And if you fail, then war is no option. But finally, I just wanted to make the point that the king is required to write two scrolls for himself. All of us are only required to write one scroll, but the king too. One to leave in his treasury at home, in his treasure chest, and one to take with him. And I think the king has to be extra mindful, extra mindful, and be extra focused on what the Torah says because of the power that he has and the subordination that everybody feels. And so we should all learn from that, that those in power, those who have power over others, should be extra careful not to exercise it in a way that isn't the best interests of everybody. The parsha ends um, with an amazing maftir, which is commonly known as Egel Ha'arufa. Basically, if there's a body found between two towns, and there's obviously no visible murderer or anybody who could be held to account, the town that is closest to the body has to have the leaders of that town basically acknowledge that uh, they didn't spill the blood, but effectively they take responsibility. So what we see over here is the idea that as Jews, we take responsibility. Our leaders are accountable. And uh, that's a very powerful way to live in a society where leaders, even though nobody thinks for a second that they were actually responsible for the death, the fact that they had a town where maybe they didn't give the guy enough clothing, maybe they didn't give the guy enough shelter, maybe they didn't give the guy a warm enough welcome or protection, that he was allowed to go out and be killed, just for that, uh, it's a lesson for them that they need to up their, up their standards. So it's a beautiful way to end the parasha, and I wanted to, now that we're in Elul, which is uh, you know, probably you know, the, the month, and, and of course Shoftim always comes into Elul, um, the month for beginning the process of, of Rosh Hashanah, which really starts in Elul. Um, Elul has the, uh, has the letters, Ani ledodi vidodi li, I am for my beloved and my beloved is for me. That's the, um, that's the uh, King Solomon uh, words. But Elul really means I am going out to God and God will, will respond. We know that it's easy to go out to God. The Hasidim tell us that uh, Elul is when the king is in the field and very accessible to his servants and subservient people. And so uh, this is the time when God, according to our Midrash, according to our story, according to our belief system, God is most available. You know, it's the process of teshuva, the process of becoming elevated, the process of improving ourselves is most easy in the month of Elul because everything is accessible to us. So this Ani Lidodi Vidodi means it's easy for me. I can go out to my beloved who is God and then he will respond. If I make the first move and go out to him, he will respond with his love and embrace and the tshuva process will be in the works. Um, by the way, contrasted with this at Pesach time, we don't say ani le dodi vidodi li, we say dodi li vaani lo. It's the same words essentially, but the other sequence, because Pesach time, God made the first move. God pulled us out of Egypt and then we responded. So the question is, who makes the first move? God makes the first move to his people by pulling them out of Egypt. Pesach time, and we responded. 
by becoming his, his servants and his dedicated people. And at Rosh Hashanah time, it's the other way around. We have to make the first move and God will respond. And that response is basically Yom Kippur. God's response and the forgiveness is Yom Kippur. There's a wonderful story that I wanted to share with you about Elul that I think you'll find interesting. The story's told that in a uh, hotel in the South, a whole bunch of people are standing around in the pub, in the bar drinking, and suddenly one of the men notices that his valuable watch is missing. And they can't see it anywhere. They run around the hotel. They go to his hotel room. They go to the restaurant where he'd eaten the previous meal. Can't find anything. And after a short while, one of the men who stayed behind in the bar uh, shouts out, I found it. And they come down to the bar, and this man who's standing in the bar where they all were holds up the watch. And they say to him, well, how did you find the watch? And he says, I'll tell you. When all of you had left, I closed the door, and I listened carefully. And I heard the ticking, and I followed it and found the watch. My dear family, Elul is the time when we have to listen carefully for the ticking. It's the time when we have to quieten the, the noise and be quiet in the room and listen for the ticking watch and find it. And that's my prayer for all of us, that this Elul should be a time when we hear the ticking and we grab the watch and realize that sometimes the noise and the tumult preclude us from holding onto the watch and hearing that sound. Take care. Shabbat Shalom and Kodesh Dov.